All right, and welcome to the Sins of Nastown podcast. I'm your host, TJ Lanemeyer. With me as always, James O'Hara. Hello. Sean Hogan. Hi. All right, guys. So it has been a hell of a couple of months. The last time we talked, we were uh, expecting that it was the last podcast in the old house just because I was moving. <laughs> and here we are three months later. Uh, so, I mean, what have you guys been up to since uh, since everything's kind of been locked down? Not too much. I'm just going to point out it's been four months later. We did not record March 21st, if anybody's horrified by the idea that we all met up. It's accurate. March. That is accurate. <laughs> so, um, uh, I've been up to pretty much nothing. Just hanging out with my wife. Yep. Yep. That's been me. Same. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, TJ and I did, uh, we did briefly have a video game session with uh, mm-hmm. Matt and Dave Huzzard. Sean was on a party too, sadly. Could only, only have four one, people. The one night, the other thing we did, I was there. Oh, that's true. Yeah, when we did the board game night, which we probably should do again sometime. Yeah. yeah. So, I was uh, like, yeah, we just did that, and that was probably like three months ago. Yeah, I think it was like May. Yeah, what are months anymore? Yeah, it's uh, very interesting, so. Yeah, I don't think we've seen anybody in person besides I've gone to my parents' house two times. Once the beginning of June for Amy and I's birthday, and then once in July for my sister's birthday. Um, and then in August, we're going to spend two weeks in New Jersey at her parents' house. And that's going to be our summer vacation, basically. Yeah, we might be going up to somewhere up towards the Finger Lakes with my wife's parents uh, in late August. So we'll see how that goes. Like Jim Carrey in the <laughs> office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, that's been about it. Uh, so the Nats got back to what they're calling quote unquote summer camp towards the beginning of June. So they've been going for a couple of weeks now. Um, I guess the biggest news to come out of it was that the Nats had three players uh, who opted out. Um, the biggest name being Ryan Zimmerman. Yes. Yes. So biggest name, Wellington Castillo. Second biggest was Joe Ross. Um, and then some guy named Ryan Zimmerman, who, whoever knows who that guy is. Yeah. He's so it looks like Jake Knoll, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's right. Walk-off hero. Mr. Walk-off Jake Knoll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He earned that nickname for that one walk-off last season. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, Zim is the biggest name, but probably the one that has the most impact as far as what the team was going to kind of line up with, you would think would be Joe Ross being the fifth starter, um, where Zim was more going to probably split time a lot at first base. Um, so, uh, I mean, not going to argue with anybody making that choice, but, uh, it certainly gives Eric Fetty and Austin Both the inside track when it comes to next year and how the rotation kind of shakes itself out. But yeah, it's really interesting that Nats. It's kind of a unique situation with who they have opting out. That it kind of solved some positional log jams for you, but that's not something you really want to be going out and seeing in public. Really, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, thank God that guy opted out. You know because he was afraid of the deadly disease, and now we have enough players, the right amount of players for this game. You know, oh, good thing. But uh, it is kind of how, you know, 
the the fifth starter they had a lot of competition it was going to be you know and and if they had started a regular season this year they would have had a very weird solution we kind of talked about it where you know joe ross probably would have been the starter austin voss would have been the bullpen and eric fetty would have been in triple a pretty much for the only reason because he was the only one of those three who could be optioned and And they wouldn't want to lose any fourth option lucky lucky yeah and then on the same hand you know we were looking at the signings they made and you would have had Howie Kendrick, Eric Thames, Brian Zimmerman, Starling Castro, Starling Castro. I always want to call him Starling. Um, as Drupal Cabrera and uh, Carter Keyboom, somehow all supposed to be sharing first base, second base, and third base in some sort of setup. Uh, and so then it turns out, you know, Ryan Zimmerman isn't here. And now we've added a DH. Uh, to keep things easier, and it's like, all right, well, I guess now everybody technically has their spot. You know, some of those spots are not exactly thrilling. Yeah, like Wilmer Defoe is going to be back. I was, I was so excited that he all was right. finally going to be gone. Excited he was going to be gone. It's Wilmer Defoe, man. You can't lose Wilmer Defoe. It's the heart of the no, team. You just can't get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean. Other thing that kind of helps out the Nats is uh, a lot of the guys that they have under contract and even some that they brought in um, are a little on the older side. So cutting this down to 60 games could do one of two things. Either you're hoping that those 60 games are their healthy 60 games Mm -hmm. or (laughs) they then just get injured early and then they're out for the entire period as opposed to, well, they just missed two months and then they come back as they would in a normal season. Right. Also, yeah, it's nice we went, back I, in the world series to have to lay off to, you know, a lot of the pitchers threw a lot of pitches, a lot of innings last year, obviously with extra games. So giving them a little extra time could also help. Yeah, it definitely could. So we're sitting in a 30 man roster. With yeah, a sixty-man so pool, what it is is a sixty-man pool, and you start the first game will be thirty-man roster, and then over I think like the first week of the season, you slowly have to cut that down to twenty-six, which was the new number this year. Um, that's the other fun thing is that they sort of are keeping, they're keeping like half of the new rules they were going to do this year, so they're still going to have the twenty-six-man roster the whole time. Um, and then they're also going to have uh, that uh, pitcher, a relief pitcher, has to face three batters. Um, and then, but they have lost some of the other ones. There's no September call-ups, obviously, in a season that's pretty much just one uh, September. Half the season would be September. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is, so they you know, all the new rules for those are out. Um, and then they've added in a couple extra new rules, like we I said, the DH in both leagues, and then. Uh, the runner on second at the start of the, I think the 10th inning yeah. or is it the 11th? I think it's the start of extras. Um, okay. They want to try and limit the amount of extra innings. Entirely. With, yeah. Cause uh, I believe the original, like in the minor leagues when they were testing it out or in the Atlantic league or whatever, it was the 11th inning. So you got one normal extra inning to get the, your shit figured out. And if that still wasn't enough, then they were just going to start getting weird. Yeah, force you to end the game already. 
Yeah, it's like uh, it's like college football overtime. I'm okay with that. <clears throat> um, okay, so with those new rules, they're introducing the DH in both leagues. Do you think the DH ever goes away after this season? Sadly, no. no. I mean, I'm a, I'm a no DH guy, but uh, both the owners and the players apparently want it. I mean, obviously, there's the, a loud group of pitchers that like to hit, but like the MLBPA likes the DH because the DH is another, you know, higher I, salary uh, yeah. Yeah, spot. So, yeah, I don't see it coming back. Especially the way the bench veteran salaries have been going, you know, unless the MLBPA like completely changes what their priorities are which they should, frankly, but they're probably not going to. They're still going to aim for as many high-paying jobs as possible, even if it's probably a smarter strategy to have as many good-paying jobs as possible, not just high-paying. Um, but it, they'll aim for it, and it's pretty clear that the owners are interested in it since they did not come to an agreement with each other on what the new rules and new salaries are going to be. The owners imposed a schedule. And then Rob Manfred used his power as commissioner to be able to do, you know, rule changes against, you know, with or without the approval of the players association. And that's how we got the DH and the extra innings rule. So clearly, you know, it was not something that the owners were just putting in there for the players to like, they, they wanted it as well, uh, which probably explains why the players didn't really see it as a very valuable bargaining chip to be getting in return. It's fair. Yeah. I mean, I guess while we're talking about that, we should probably discuss the, uh, for lack of a better word, shit show that went on for the better part of two months between the players and the owners of, they discussed, uh, they had it set in April, yeah, early May. March, that, March agreement. Was it March? Which is why um, it became such a big problem. Is they made that agreement so early, and then both sides were like, uh, "Yeah, we made that under the idea that things would be normal or by like the end of June. May, yeah, and June, yeah, and not yeah. that it would be July, and it would still also be very dangerous for us to be doing anything." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was not handled particularly gracefully. No, by no, anyone I mean, involved. The- it was interesting because the problem was that so the March agreement, which probably wasn't really that great for the players, so the players got that they were guaranteed prorated salaries for however many games were played, but in exchange, let MLB be able to decide how many games are played. Mm-hmm. And they could just say, all right, we're going to play 40 games this season. You only get 40 games of play, you know, of pay. Um, so it was good and bad because on the one hand, you know, they were giving up that power that, you know, Manfred could do it unilaterally, but they kind of guessed correctly that on the other hand, um, could see you in the background, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so it distracted me. And the other hand is that they kind of guessed correctly that Manfred and the owners weren't going to want a really short season. They were going to want at least 60, 70, 80 games. And made a pretty good bet there that, you know, no matter what, they weren't going to go for a really tiny season. They were going to get a good amount. Uh, and so, I mean, that's kind of the negotiations ended up is that, you know, MLB was just trying to get slightly more games and 
do some crazy math to not pay full prorated salaries per game, but play like 75% so that you could play 80 games, but it would be the pay of if you played 60 games. Mm-hmm. And then LBPA was just like, you know, no, why, why would we do that? Let's just play 60 <laughs> games. Yeah. Yeah. We already decided the money part. Yeah. <laughs> right. I like that. It was like 10 different offers. It was all like, well, if you, you play, yeah, you play this amount, you'll get paid this amount. But if you pay, play this many games, you'll still get paid that amount. I, I really liked MLB's offer where they tried to come across as like thinking of the little guy that like the guys that make the least amount in the league are going to be impacted the least. And the guys that are paid the most are going to be, you know, they're going to take more of the brunt of it, but they can handle it more. Um, and then you went and looked at the numbers and it was like a billion dollars difference in payroll yeah. between the two figures. It's like, yeah, wait, what? <laughs> no, that, that was the funniest one. Is that, sounded like when it was first announced it was like oh what a great idea to try to break the union and drive a wedge into this issue the union's really been getting worse and worse at is that they keep focusing so much on getting new record isn't you know total salary or average new value for their top like one percent of superstar players like harper and trout and all that while just completely screwing over the bulk of their you know, an, an increasing share of MLB players, which are people in pre-arbitration zero to three years who can only make MLB minimum with maybe a little extra couple thousand dollars if their club is nice, but there's no reason for the club to do that. And then there are three to six who are in arbitration, which you can maybe, you know, for the average player, you're getting at most 10 million a year for the last year there, but the first couple, you're still only you know, only in the uh, a few million, um, but and then on the other hand, you know, the all the minor league players who are just getting you know twenty thousand or or less. So it's just a tough tough thing for them. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and speaking but, of the minors, they've uh, they've said they're going to pay them through septem- the end of the year, so the end of August. Yeah, I believe so. Okay. It's still a small amount of money. I think the funny thing is that there were a couple minor league players who technically were getting paid more um, in early March when they were doing just like a $40 a week payment or something like that. And they were like, oh, I'm getting more somehow than I would have if I were playing right now. But that's not good. Uh, yeah, that's... Um, yeah, it's you know, they tried to drive a wedge there, which made sense. But then when you actually saw how they did it, they were still like lowering all the lower salaries like the best way they should have done it is had like everyone between zero and four years of service being like the exact same salary they would get for the full season and then lowering down just like trout harper verlander scherzer those guys like way down to being like the same level and then see if they i mean i still don't think the players association would have gone for it but that would have at least been an interesting you know, debate to see what they would have said. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Um, so let's see what else in news. Uh, the draft has happened. Um, and they were limited to five rounds. Yes. Correct. Also done. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's the problem with only wanting to, pay normal contracts to five players. Um, 
the Nats went and got uh, Cade Cavalli with their first round pick. Am I saying that correctly? Out of Oklahoma. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now you got to say like a, a American Italian Cavalli. <laughs> Cavalli. <laughs> uh, big dude, right-handed, throws hard. I mean, pretty much the Nats' mo for the last like, like five years. Jackson Rutledge. But he's not a he's not a um, Boris guy though. Oh, okay. So, and and that actually is what surprised everybody because they well, pretty much until the day of the draft, everybody mocking had them taking Cole Wilcox, who was out of Georgia, I think, who was a Boris guy, and he ended up falling pretty far. Yeah. Um, Has Cavalli ever had major arm surgery before? Uh, n- probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, normally, their pick should, but uh, you know they're not going to Boris guy. Did they get an injured guy, or did they get just way out of the way and get somebody completely new? Yeah, it, I don't see it in here. Yo, dang, Wilcox fell to the third round, but he got a three point three million dollars signing bonus there, which is a record for that round, which may be more than what Cavalli got. Yeah, who got Wilcox? Or, uh, Padres, the dad. So. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it was interesting to see kind of some of the strategies that some of the teams were trying to see, like get cheaper first round and then load up on the on the last couple rounds. And some teams right. were like just completely not even drafting anybody interesting at all. That led to like some weird drafts where like one or two teams, like four of their five or six picks, were like top one hundred ranked by Baseball America. And it's like, how did you get so many? Like there are thirty MLB teams. Like that that shouldn't have happened. That you should be getting so many top eighty guys. But since everybody else was kind of punting on it, yeah, you know, they got it to work out. So, so uh, if you weren't drafted in this particular draft, are you then an undrafted free agent? Can they yes, just like they're all go after you? Undrafted free agents, but undrafted free agents were limited to only twenty thousand dollars signing bonuses. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is okay. So the odds are they're going to college then if they weren't drafted. Yeah, if you weren't a high schooler. I, I think maybe a couple high schoolers ended up signing. I think the Nats got some kid who his dad was a Nats coach and he was going to go to Liberty and he decided to sign with the Nats for $20,000. Just like, I don't know why you did that, but okay. Um, yeah, there's some like ju- like college juniors that'll sign for twenty thousand because they know that next year, uh, if they come out, they're they're going to be a senior and have literally no leverage then. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, the Nats actually did sign a guy out of Tech that was uh, he was at least on the Baseball America top two fifty, uh, but he uh, tragically suffers from uh, the BB syndrome. Uh, I think he like. He had like a 14 something K per nine and then like a nine point something walks per nine. It was like real good. Wow. Ouch. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. That's why he wasn't in the top 100. <laughs> no. Well, it's interesting. It's that uh, I'm kind of surprised by how many people seem to be like very sure that next year they were going to go back to a normal draft and that it wasn't going to end up like they're just going to continue to have this very short five, I mean, maybe not five rounds, but I mean, I'm, be surprised if they ever go back to the days of over 20 rounds of the draft. Um, I mean, especially because unless the LVPA like turns around and starts 
trying to protect the the draftees and minor leaguers more. They'll just trade those rights. You know, mm-hmm. if this was successful, they were able to get people to sign for twenty thousand dollars this year when there was still like some hope that maybe you could have a normal draft next year. But if going forward, it's like, hey, you either get drafted in the first six rounds, or you're an undrafted free agent who can only get fifty thousand, you know, twenty thousand dollars. A lot more people are just going to sign for that twenty thousand because they want to try to be professional baseball players. And next year's draft is going to be even worse, I'd say, because this year, like you know, people were, you know, disappointed that they weren't able to see a lot of players in the spring. But the probably three quarters of the scouting is done the year before the draft, so you know, it's really, you know, from basically the day of the draft or probably even a little bit before until the end of the year. That's when you're doing your work for next year. So there's not going to be really any of that this year. So next year. It wouldn't surprise me if they tried to find a way to punt even more of it away. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, especially also coincides with them uh, with uh, them trying to kill off all the minor league teams. It was just really perfect timing for them that they're like, okay, well, we have to shut everybody down for a year anyway, so let's cut you know 40, 40 whatever teams. And I mean, that's the guys that are getting drafted in the, you know, the 15th to the 40th rounds are the guys that are populating, you know, those lower level, you know, short season A and A ball teams. So, yeah. Well, it's funny to me because it's, you know, I mean, I don't like seeing minor league baseball teams go. I'd rather have minor league baseball, but it is weird is that, you know, some of those short season teams really, there's not any need for them. There's very few guys who are actually going to make the major leagues or even, you know, the higher, like make it to triple a when you could potentially be getting pretty decent salaries. You know, very few of those guys are ever going to be from the frontier league or whatever pioneer league are going to be making it there. So it's not too surprising that you would cut that. Cause the problem is, and that's the same way I feel about like some of these independent leagues is yeah. like, why are you letting these guys, especially high schoolers, come join this, get paid nothing, and you're just letting them dream when there's not really a good reason for that? I mean, it just doesn't feel responsible to me. But on the other hand, if you actually paid them at least a little bit of money, which they could afford to do, I mean, you could pay your entire miling system a living salary for less than, you know, some guy in the middle of your bullpen makes in the air. And, you know, one of the problems baseball is facing is that people don't watch baseball anymore. People don't like baseball. Uh, I feel to some degree that uh, if you sort of got back down to the grassroots, you know, the, you know, the minor league towns and you gave something, people, something to go watch, they'd go watch it. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be to make money. You know, each team doesn't need to make money theoretically, but, if you get people loving baseball again, then maybe they'll make money more at the MLB level. Maybe not. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, not, the only issue with that is, you know, a lot of those are independently owned teams. Yeah. Um, which becomes tricky. But I, I agree. I think the best system would have been if most of these became MLB owned. You know, most, my, most if not all minor league teams, maybe below you know probably triple a could be independent for the most part and double a mm-hmm. uh but anything below that if those just became really just you know mlb team owned and they provided all the salary and actually you know you made it so that 
you know, the minimum salary for uh, a minor league player is $45,000 adjusted for inflation. So some of those could even be lower, um, you know, at low A and then you, so you step up, you know, if you keep it at a regular pay scale that you would see for like an office job, that would make more sense to me where, you know, you maybe you're topping out at triple A players getting hundred thousand, hundred twenty thousand at most, um, which is a little bit less than I think some AAA players get now if they're on the 40-man roster. But, I mean, there's a lot of money in on the MLB side, you know, that you could be stepping down. I mean, I think there's more money that the owners could be giving to the players. I think there's more money that the top high-paid players could be giving to the lower-paid players on to down to the lowest minor league-paid players. Um, I think there's a lot more that could be done on that front. Sean, I agree with Sean that they could be doing that and being able to have a lot more baseball in a lot more towns, which would be nice. So uh, the Nats had six picks in this draft. Uh, we already mentioned Cole, uh, Cade Cavalli, uh, who is actually in their 60-man pool currently. Uh, any other names that we should take note of, Sean, or kind of keep an eye on? I believe that uh, Holden Powell, who they got in the third round, I think that he was is kind of expected to be like a fast track reliever. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me. He he made some lists as like you know, here's ten guys that could make it to the majors by the end of the year. But the fact that he's not in the sixty man pool means, I mean, obviously they could still have him throwing somewhere, but you know, obviously don't expect it. Uh, Cole Henry, who they got in the second. Uh, Sounds like he's, you know, your other typical, uh, you know, Nats right-handed pitching prospect. Uh, I think he, I believe he got hurt as well. Uh, and I want to say he may have been a sophomore. I may be lying there. Yeah, but, I mean, he seems like a pretty good arm. Uh, the guy that got in the supplemental second for the Rendon pick, uh, Infante, there was not really anything on him, so... Uh, I don't know if they just saw him last year and liked him a lot. He's from Miami. His name's Infante, and I assumed that that meant he was related to Omar Infante, but apparently not. That would have been nice, though, because we know that Omar Infante, for whatever reason, destroys the Nats. So, you know, someone <laughs> that feels right at home in Nationals Park. There you go. Yeah, I was interested that they seem to be full-on charging through with the plan of draft American uh, and buy Domini- you know, draft American pitchers and buy Dominican hitters. <laughs> and that's it. You know, there's very few. I've sat, you know, they have Ronaldo Lopez and Jeffrey Rodriguez, you know, but they've had way more success with their, you know, Dominican hitters like, you know, uh, Robles and Soto, and then to a lesser extent, Defoe and other guys like that. And then pretty much all, almost all of their, besides Carter Keyboom. For the last eight years, almost all of their top picks have been pitchers. Besides Which makes T-Boom sad. and uh, Brian Goodwin. And Brian Goodwin was technically their third pick of that year. They just had a lot of first-rounders. Every year I get excited about like some hitter in the draft. I'm like, maybe this will be the year the Nats will draft a hitter. Yeah. And then they never do. Of course, it generally turns out fine. But Yeah, I was really looking at that uh, that catcher out of Ohio State who was like a center fielder at one point, and then they moved to catcher. Um, center fielder? Catcher? Weird. That makes no sense. 
Dylan Dingler. Yeah, yeah guys, draft a guy named Dylan Dingler. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he has to walk around any neighborhood he moves to. Introduce himself. He I just wants to hand out cookies, man. If I end it, if I don't say anything more after that, I think that's technically not liable. <laughs> it's only implied. Uh, let's see. Okay, so we get s- there's sixty games is what we're set for right now. Yep. Plus potentially, which playoffs. means agreed. Potentially playoffs. I will say we get to play serious fun with small sample sizes this season all year. Um, Because if you look at last year, the Nats were 27 and 33 after 60 games. Or even if you look at the last 60 games of the season, stop doing that. If I can get baseball reference to stop giving me a hard time. Which apparently is not going to happen unless I reload the page. Uh, Let me go to game 103. Well, now it's throwing a fit. Uh, the last two months of the season, they were 38 and 18. Which isn't 60 games, but we're getting closer. Anywho. Uh, so, with a 60-game sample size, you get off to any kind of a bad start, you could be done. Um, do you guys think that the favorites that we were talking about in March still apply at this point. I would say for the most part, and we haven't seen any really groundbreaking opt outs besides, you know, David price with the Dodgers, but the Dodgers have so much depth that it's not going to matter to them. Um, I don't know if there are any teams that are really super set up. I'd say maybe the nationals, like you were talking about being an older team, not having to worry as much about injuries, taking people out, you know, not having to worry about the grind with guys like Howie Kendrick. Um, you know, especially with the DH, I, I'd be expecting Howie to be playing almost every day. Whereas in a full season, he probably would have been taking at least one or two games off a week. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe the older teams like that, but I don't know if there's any other team, maybe the Cubs might be another team that, could potentially look better than you would have expected to them over 162. You know, some some of those teams that have like stars, but not enough over a long run. Um, so like the Nats with you know Soto, with like the Cubs and, and some of those other teams, they might have a chance. But yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a huge difference than what the favorites we were looking back in March were. I think the Yankees will also benefit because they're getting some guys. I guess they had a lot of guys that were going to be banged up to start the year, and I guess now they've got time to heal. They got Judge Stanton, all of them uh, theoretically healthy. Sorry, I was laughing a second ago because I'm watching the game, and Chris Davis was lumbering around third base, and I thought that they were going to have to send out a, a, the paramedics for him. 
but also the the Nats are very fortunate in that uh, we get extra games against the Orioles, whereas the Mets get extra games against the Yankees and the Braves. I think get extra against the Red Sox. Or, yeah, yeah, that's right. Potentially. Yeah. That's kind of the, the sticking only on the East and then sticking only on Central, sticking only on the West is going to be interesting. So that probably is going to disadvantage the East teams because it's going to be a lot harder for them to get wild card spots. Uh, you know, the Central and the West teams, there's a lot of crap teams. The East, you basically have the Orioles and the Marlins that you can be beat up on, but then the other four teams, you know, the Jays are kind of 50-50 how, how they're going to be. Um, they at least try to improve, but yeah. Yeah, but otherwise, you know, Nats, Mets, Phillies, Braves aren't going to give you an easy game, and the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Rays are definitely not going to be giving you easy games, so... Well, it depends on what's part of the Red Sox rotation you get. That's true. You get probably Eduardo Rodriguez is probably the only one that you'll have too much trouble with. My my favorite is the opening day matchup, the Evaldi versus uh, uh, Tommy Malone. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was I was, wait, I was gonna see when we how long we we're gonna wait until we mentioned that Tommy Malone is the opening day starter for the Orioles. Because I was going to make that joke when you mentioned Chris Davis lumbering around. It's like, I was going to say, oh, well, Chris Davis is the answer to, do I still know at least one player on the Orioles? And I remember it's like, oh, now I know Tommy Malone, too. <laughs> there we go. So Tommy Malone had a better year last year than Nathan Evaldi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Nathan Evaldi was, like, horrendous last year. Well, he, he was hurt, but, yeah, he was he was bad. Yeah, Nat, Nat's picked right with going with Corbin last year. Well, or they could have ended up with Lance Lynn, who inexplicably... Lance Lynn was like Howie Kendrick, but for pitching last year. Where it's like, all right, well, how did you get so much better at this age without performance-enhancing drugs existing anymore? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think... Yeah, it's in the Central, it's, a lot, it's easier because you get the Pirates are going to be awful. The Cubs aren't really that great. The Brewers are start, you know, not having as much as they have in the, in the past. They didn't really get as many of those cool one-year deals. Uh, but on the other hand, the Reds are looking a little bit better. But then in the the AL Central, the Tigers are going to still be awful. The Indians have traded even more people away. If you don't remember, they traded away Corey Kluber, um, and got pretty much nothing in return besides. Is that the one where they got Franmil Reyes back? No, they got uh, Delano DeShields Jr. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's Ponte, right. Who's a reliever? L- literally got, nothing uh, back. For, he got suspended for performance-enhancing drugs, which may explain why he's striking out like a billion guys for inning in the minors. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think which is already a bad return. You know, White Sox might be ready for them. I think the White Sox are probably they'll, they'll be like the they'll be somewhere between 2011 and 2012 Nats. Where it'll either be like one year until we're ready, or it's going to be like, oh, we think it's going to be one year away, and then it's, oh, bam, all the young guys just hit it off really well, and you're just right into contention immediately. Um, and then the Royals are going to be god-awful. And then you know the West is going to be the easiest one. I mean, the Dodgers and the Astros, when they're not playing each other, are just going to be playing mostly crap. You know, the A's will be good, but that's it. You know, Rangers aren't going to be good. Diamondbacks aren't going to be good. Rockies are going to be terrible. Padres might have something going, but probably not yet. 
Yeah, Padres probably in the same boat. Yeah. 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 Either this year or next year. And then the Angels. The Angels are the Angels. They're gonna. I guess not win. They won't find a way to win 81 games. They'll find a way to win 30 games this year. Are uh, the Royals the one who I read who are on like their fifth catcher right now? Really? Because everyone know. keeps getting sick. That. Well, uh, I just looked at their Fangraphs page and their top five catchers. Uh, one of them says illness day-to-day. One of them says undisclosed 15-day DL. And one of them says illness COVID-19. So probably. <laughs> And, uh, Perez was just—he was just added from the uh, added back from the ten-day injured list from illness. So yeah, I'm glad I did not draft Yikes. Salvador Perez. I really I thought about it. You're glad you didn't draft any Royals. Oh no, I did. I, I have Whit Merrifield, the the one good Royal. Yeah, but that's it. Please, someone trade for him. Get him out of there. But that was most of my conscious strategy. Although I, I didn't completely fulfill it because I did draft some East players, but was mostly trying to draft Central and West guys. That would be good since they'd have way worse competition to, to go against than the East. Although if you look at Fangraphs, their uh, projected schedule or projected standings, the four, uh, four of the five NL Central teams are either supposed to be uh, 32 and 28 or 31 and 29. Nice. It's just going to be like a garbage fight. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, the Pirates. Yeah. Uh, Although they don't even have the Pirates is that bad. They only have them at 27 and 33. Really? I, I yeah, no. I don't see why. I have, have not heard of anybody on the Pirates. They're not good at all. They have Josh Bell. Yeah, they traded away Starling Marta. It was the one. Yeah, they have Josh Bell. That's that's pretty much it that I could think of off the top of my head. Um, they don't even have any pitching. Like, they don't have any. So they have Chris Archer, or is he gone now? He's out. I think he's out for the year. He had the thoracic outlet. Oh, oh that's right. I forgot he had a thoracic outlet. Yeah, he's going to be out for forever. Oh, speaking of thoracic outlet, though, did you see, Um, was it Daniel Bard uh, made, oh, yeah, made the Rockies in the last the pitch? jumped all their bad pitchers. Last pitched in 2013 and had been trying to make comebacks since So he went out with thoracic outlet syndrome. Um. And then I think 2013 was when he first tried to come back from surgery. No, 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 no. I think that was maybe not. So he was good through from. He was good through 2011. 2011. Then 2012, he was terrible. But they also tried to start him that year. Yeah, if I you know, I'm gonna look at this up. But yeah, if I remember correctly, he was. Uh, he he crushed it as a reliever in 2011 when they went on to win the World Series. Well, they didn't win the World Series in 2011. Or did they? Yeah, they did. Because they beat the Cardinals in 2011. Or they lose to the Cardinals in 2011. So the Cardinals beat the Rangers in 2011. Rangers, okay. 2013 is when the Red Sox won. Yeah. I was the other one. But he was like superstar reliever in 2011. And then 2012, they tried to switch him back to starting. And then he was bad. And then they were like, oh, maybe starting's why he's bad. And then they put him back in the bullpen and he was even worse. Then he left, and I think he just went to the minors. And then 2013, he pitched like one inning, and then wasn't good. And so they're like, all right. And so he had like surgery, made like a lot of minor league trips in through 2018, and then finally gave up. And then this year, 
this spring before any of the COVID stuff happened, decided he would try again one last time. And the Rockies signed him to a minor league deal. And apparently he was decent in spring. And then when he came back for summer camp this year was even better. And so he made the team. It's like trying to show up Aaron Barrett, apparently. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, not only have I did I pitch even longer ago than you last pitched, but also I'm making the team for real and not just as a nice September call up to sit on the bench and then record a lot of headshots for the documentary we're gonna put out next year when we win the World <laughs> Series. So these uh, these fan graph projections have the highest win projection is 36 with the Dodgers, and that's just over 600 ball. Do you think anybody cracks having fewer than 20 losses? 20? Yeah, I think be like right at 700. Freakers with it. It'll probably be the Dodgers, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers, if I remember correctly, they had like a four years ago, three years ago, 2015, I think, they had like a 43 and 17 stretch or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they were doing really badly and then just crushed everyone. I, I, it's definitely possible for a team to get over 40 wins. It's a little tough. Um, but yeah, I would think that we see at least one team crack 40. I would not. I think it, I think that I agree with Sean. Dodgers probably have the best chance, but my guess would be it's not going to be something easily expected. It's just going to be a team that happens to get caught. It's going to be some weird team. Yeah, the Diamondbacks. I don't know if it's going to be that weird, but of the teams you think might be good, one of them will get forty wins, and one of them will probably get under twenty wins, just because of how right now, weird the sample sizes are. Betting lines for the Dodgers are over under 38 and a half, and that's even too. So it's not even like plus or minus too much. I'd probably take the over on that. Um, do uh, do you think they thought they were only going to get 60 games out of Mookie Betts when they made that move? No. And, and zero games this year to David Price, <laughs> although they still have Price signed for next year. No, you, yeah. you would assume they definitely did not. Um Maybe the Red Sox did because it does kind of make the trade make more sense on their side. Mm-hmm. The price that they got back was a vast underpayment for 162 games plus playoffs of Mookie Betts and, you know, 320, 332 games of 324 games of uh, David Price. But if instead you're only getting maybe 162 of David Price, and at best, 60 games plus playoffs of Mookie Betts. That's a way better deal. Yeah. Was Price even a positive asset in the trade, though? I thought that the Red Sox uh, were just trying to dump his contract. It was mostly, yeah, mean, it was like, mostly negative oh, in terms of the contract, but the, the games at least were helpful now. Although, I guess, no, Price opted out, but he doesn't have a reason that he'd still need to be paid. Yeah. So I guess I guess it's not that bad. So you're not paying that contract. I was thinking if Price was one of the guys who could opt out and still get paid, then that would have really looked bad for the Dodgers. Well, he also made them look bad by uh, paying all of their minor league players. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Dodgers, he wasn't even oh. he didn't even play for the team yet. That's oh. true. 
Yeah. Show um, and <laughs> MLB uh, to opt out and get paid, you was it is just personally you have a risk, correct? It's not family or anything yeah, else. It's, it's just you. Right. Most other leagues are doing the same thing, where it's you. Um have a certifiable medical reason why you cannot play yet you're deemed high risk by your doc and i think it's by a team doctor um because you know, that was one of the issues in the, the switch sports but uh, elena deladon in the wnba she has uh, chronic lyme's disease and her doctor was saying that she shouldn't be playing um that it would be a health risk and then when she went to talk to the WNBA doctors, they were like, no, nah, no, nah, you're fine. You don't, you're not at a high risk for dangerous side, you know, effects of COVID-19. So you could still play. So she can't opt out and still get her salary. Which is bonkers. Yeah. Well, it's really weird. Cause it, it sounded like, and she still hasn't actually made a decision, but it sounded like, even if she was going to get like the opt out allowed, it wasn't like she was guaranteed to take it. It was still going to be, a decision she just wanted to wanted to have the option. Mm-hmm. And if anything, saying no probably makes it more likely she might decide to opt out because it's safe because it's like, all right, wait a minute. You know, why are they saying, why are they not allowing it? I feel like that might mean they're not, they don't have my best interests at heart. They're not going to make sure the protocols are followed or whatever. So I shouldn't go at all. Whereas if they had said yes, she might have been like, well, they said yes, but I think I personally feel comfortable going anyway, so I'm going to go play. Yeah. So I am a little sad that we're not getting the uh, the bubble scenario with MLB as we are at the NBA. Yeah. Because on top of everything, like that is entertainment in itself, particularly the snitch line that they have. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> like the nba like the whole reason shutdowns happened for sports in the first place is because some nba players you know rudy gobert didn't take it seriously and infected himself and some of his other teammates including donovan mitchell so it is definitely funny to see the guys going into the bubble and still having issues where people are like not taking this seriously and getting snitched on by other guys it's like, man, you, you feel like the NBA of all the leagues would definitely be more, the players would be more aware of not screwing it. So I will say outside of like, I forget who it was that got in trouble for crossing the, whatever the line is for the bubble mm-hmm. to go and pick up food that was being delivered to him mm-hmm. and having to quarantine for 10 days. Uh, apparently most of them have been like fairly innocuous of like this person's not wearing a mask or this person, these two people were walking within six feet of each other or those type of things, which the mask is one thing, the walking within six feet of each other. I mean, these guys are banging into each other every day. I'm not overly concerned at that point with them being near each other, Yeah, but they were making, um, uh, they had regulations that there were no doubles ping pong. You could not, you can only play singles, <laughs> no doubles. Yeah. Who plays doubles ping pong? In- <laughs> I don't know, but really good teammates. All the time. I mean, going through and reading the stuff that they were putting in 
to these hotels for them to like have shit to do made it sound like they were pitching like uh, a senior citizens committee community or something of like we have racquetball and this and, and it's just like what and you can watch black widow three months before everybody else <laughs> all right <laughs> everybody's uh, drinking it to scarlett the- johansson <laughs> Did uh, you guys see the pictures of the MBA uh, barbershop that they were building oh, yeah. on the campus? That's pretty funny. No, I didn't. I'll look it up. It's like a it, temporary it building. Straight out of 2K. <laughs> it's bad. It's so bad. It's pretty great. So. Uh, basketball is going to be an interesting one. That's the one thing baseball has going for it is that it's played outside. And for the most part, players stay apart from each other besides... You know, two opposing players at at the at first base. You know, we try to hold runners on, but otherwise, you're not really seeing. You know, and when you're hitting, you'll be near the catcher, and, and even then, you're not that close to each other. So you're not really seeing some of that closeness that you know, in the air. You know, especially outdoor areas seem to be a lot safer. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, on the NBA and especially on the NHL side. Since the NHL, they also have to, you know, they're, you're indoors and it's a really cold environment. Yeah, you know, that's going to be really tough that if you're getting close up together, uh, if there is a spread, you know, if the infection does get introduced into their bubbles, it is going to be more difficult to prevent the spread if you keep playing games because the games are themselves are probably going to spread it. Whereas on the yeah. baseball side, if you have good enough protocols that players aren't really interacting too much in terms in the clubhouse or other indoor areas, you know, they're spaced out on travel trips and all that, then you're in less of a danger because if you have them in small pods and one part of that pod gets sick, you just pull that pod out of, you know, everybody in that out of the game, you're unlikely to have much spread elsewhere while you're playing the game. And especially not between teams, if they're not interacting with each other at all, except for on the field, is less likely a chance that you know you can jump between teams and kind of take out the whole league. So, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the one thing we haven't talked about um, is the fact that Canada has said no, thank you to Major League Baseball. Yeah, and the Blue Jays are now going to be playing somewhere between buffalo or pittsburgh or syracuse somewhere or, in that general yeah. area which is interesting is that it's not necessarily that canada was against playing sports because uh, obviously they're hosting both sites uh, the bubble sites for the nhl they didn't want the in and out they yeah they didn't want the travel and especially they didn't want the travel of all these teams coming you know america coming into canada then leaving and coming back you know yeah they just wanted like all right if you have american teams they come to canada once they sit at that bubble. We make sure, you know, they don't go anywhere else and they stay there. They're not going, you know, all over the place. We're not infecting our community based on American trends. Um, so it, the objection makes sense. Uh, I think, you know, the travel was definitely probably the hardest part with the MLB plan. Um, mm-hmm. It's easier for some of the Eastern teams besides the Blue Jays, you know, because the Nationals, it's you know a bus or train ride to get to Philadelphia to get to Baltimore to get to the New York you know New York and get to Boston. A lot of that's pretty easy that you can do those trips without having to interact too much, without having to be on a plane or anything either. Where you have increased amount of recycled air, um, you know, and having to go through airports and stuff like that. But it is still kind of an issue is moving people around um, if 
they're allowed to be outside more and you know, kind of have to explore their home. Even then, if, they just, if they're forced to stay at the hotel, that's still a lot of different hotels you're going. You're opening up a lot of different vectors for potentially getting infected. Um, so it, it makes sense. But I'm mean, kind of curious why Pittsburgh has been seen as one of the top candidates for the Blue Jays to play. I mean, I think it's just because somebody looked... Because they wanted a major league team, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think they wanted to use like a, a real major league stadium. Um, and I think somebody looked at the schedule and noticed that Pittsburgh and Toronto and the Blue Jays didn't have many home dates on their schedules that lined up. So like, and Pittsburgh is the closest to the other East teams. So like, okay, well that makes sense. The problem is that they've set up this whole system where the East is with the East, the Central is with the Central, the West is with the West. And you could potentially like, if there's a huge issue with the West teams, you know, go in Arizona and there's a huge infection and they all get wiped out. You could theoretically keep playing baseball and just have the East and the central keep going because there's no crossover there. But once you have them, the Toronto and Pittsburgh, then you have so many extra steps you need to do in the Pittsburgh ballpark to make sure that you're cleaning everything and wiping everything down. You're playing a lot more frequently there and you're playing there. You know, if there's an infection on the East side, the, the, the east side with the east coast team you know the eastern division teams they could potentially then spread that into the central division teams through pittsburgh through the contact i mean it's hard to spread through surfaces so it's unlikely it would still be unlikely but it is interesting to me that that was one of the top ideas um i think it's more likely that they end up either playing at buffalo um or that they do the barnstorming trick where you just go to the other team stadium, but then you're the home team. There's not even fans. There's no home field advantage besides maybe knowing the, the nooks and crannies of the stadium a little bit better, but that's not even that much of an advantage anymore with you know how much we know about park effects and how much like we have them mapped up and st- mapped out in Statcast, and all these teams have very specific outfielder positioning for like each stadium for each hitter for each count like you're always going to be moving people around there's not really that much of an advantage to being like oh this is my home park i play center field here all the time so i know if i have a left-handed power hitter he could potentially go in this weird corner you know between the bullpen and center field so i'll shade a little bit more that way it's like no everybody knows that and they'll just move their outfielder to go there um so yeah, I don't think it's really that much of a concern if you were just playing a home team. You know, if the Blue Jays came to DC and they played two games where the Nats are the home team and they played two games where the Blue Jays are the home team, that's not really going to mess things up. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch because the Nats are the first team that's supposed to be at the Blue Jays. So yes. we'll find out where we're playing. Yep. That's in uh, a week from tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But it's just so also interesting to me because the Nats and Dodgers both seem to be threatening that they wouldn't play at their home stadium, MLB stadiums, because of quarantine restrictions that those municipalities had. And the Nats are saying, "Oh, maybe we'll go to Fredericksburg and play there." And so it's kind of funny that you know they were saying that, and then in the, you know stayed in DC, and then the Blue Jays weren't allowed, and they're like, "No, minor league stadium? Hell no, we're not going to do that." It's like, "Oh, you were just saying it might have been okay for the Nats to do that, and now all of a sudden it's not okay at all." How interesting. Yeah. 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 What I'm seeing here is that uh, they're preparing the field in Buffalo to host uh, Toronto's practice squad. 
Uh, yeah, I guess that that's also a difficult thing. Because um, I don't know who their double A team is or their single A team, or where these would be. So you definitely have to have your. So you're going to keep the practice squad of 30 guys or, and then up to 34 guys uh, going. So if you have like a lot of guys who have to come out due to illness or anything like that, you know, you'll have them ready. But obviously you want to keep them separate because you're playing games at the MLB park. You can't also have training there at the same time. And then two, you also just don't. If those 34 guys are supposed to be your like emergency players, you know, if we have illness to come in and, and fill in, you don't want them interacting with the tw- other 26 and then also just getting sick as well when those 26 get sick. So, so Buffalo is already part of the Blue Jays organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why Buffalo was suggested because it's their AAA yeah. team and it's not that far away. Yeah. But if they want to use Buffalo... If they already came to an agreement with Buffalo to use that as their uh, taxi squad placement, you know, or practice squad placement, then that probably probably want to keep that going and would have to try to find a different place. Either they could put their MLB team there, and then they'd have to find another place for the practice squad to go, uh, or they go can keep the, the practice squad the there. New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Oh uh, yeah, that's <clears throat> all their stadium last year. It is. No, not sure at all. <laughs> yeah, and then the other one, they have like the Dunedin Class A Advance, but and you also probably don't want your, you probably don't want all your emergency players all the way down in Florida when you're playing most of your games in Washington, D.C. and nor- further north. You don't want them to be in Florida anyway. Yeah, right you especially now. don't want them to be in Florida. Yeah, especially your backup team. Your backup team all gets sick. It's like, oh, great. What the hell do we do now? (laughs) I mean, they could send them to Lansing, but then you're in Michigan, and well, then you're in Michigan. So, no, and that's that's a pretty small stadium at that point. (laughs) They probably wouldn't even have enough in terms of clubhouse or dugout space to really be supporting that many players there. So, yeah. Uh, so we talked about opt-outs earlier. Who's the the biggest name that's opted out? Is it did Buster Posey opt out? Yeah, yeah Buster Posey. Posey and Price are the biggest two. Yeah, yeah. And Posey opted out because um, him and his wife are adopting twins, which is mm. it's like oh that's nice. And then apparently it turns out him and his wife had also naturally natural birth. I guess I don't know a better way to say that one twins so they're just getting another set of twins and it was very confusing he had like a statement about it and it was like our twins like Janie and Katie or whatever the names were are really excited to welcome Wilma and Jordan and it's like what the fuck is going on with this family what the hell like twins only Two years. It's like, oh, we don't want to, you know, giving birth to twins is hard, so we'll just adopt them from now on. But every three years, we'll just get a new set of twins. It's like the, it's like the Giants, uh, the even year bullshit. You know, now it's just like twin year bullshit. Yeah, it's just every couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, it, Felix Hernandez was the other big one too. I think, even though he's not as good as he used to be, but he was going to get one of the Braves rotation spots. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and there's been some other guys. Uh, Mike Leake has just got like a pretty decent deal with the Diamondbacks and has decided to opt out. Um, oh, uh, Kopech or Kopech or whatever the uh, Kopech. Oh, yeah, yeah the, the White, White Sox, Sox guy. And then they're like yep. pitching coach said some weird shit about him being like mentally unstable and ho- or depressed and hoping that he's in a good place. And then the organization's like, no, no, we talk to him about it a lot. We know why he's opting out. It's just a private reason. And we talk to the pitching coach to make sure he doesn't say crap like that again. Yeah. What the hell is wrong with you? Um, oh, and Mark Kakis opted, opted out. Yeah, after Freddie Freeman stuff, he was like, nah, I don't want that. Yeah, after he talked to Freddie Freeman on the phone and Freddie Freeman sounded like he was about to die. Yeah. Which apparently he got a fever up to 104. And yeah, I mean, he's like, like, yeah. 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 If you have a fever of 104, you legitimately could be about to die. So that that's not surprising. Um, that's why. And then they tried to side Puig to take that backup outfielder spot. And then Puig turned out to test positive in his, which is the craziest way that you like sign and you just need a physical and then they have him take a physical and the physical reveals that he's infected with COVID-19. So then they're like, Oh yeah, we're not going to sign you. Never mind." So then they were like, how about Matt Adams instead? He can only play for three teams. I guess four Cardinals. Well, and it ramps in the Cardinals and then I guess the Mets and the minors. So he's, he's the second coming of Kelly Johnson. Who's, I, we just need to find him some short deals with the Phillies and the Marlins that he can complete in at least bang, bingo. And yeah. Well, there's a Kelly Johnson. Didn't he have like two years in a row where the Braves signed him at the start of the year and then traded him to the Mets mid season? I believe you're that right. Sounds yeah. right. Uh, double check. That's like when the Nats had uh, the Nats had Mike Stanton, not not John Carlo, but Mike Stanton two yeah, years in a row. Came and traded him. The last two years of Kelly Johnson's career, 2015 and 2016, both years he started the year in Atlanta and then was traded to the Mets. <laughs> but what if we sent you to New York? Right, the, the funniest thing is it went it the first time. He was at like a 112 OPS plus, and then in New York was a 97. Then the second time, he was only a 52 OPS plus in Atlanta. And the Mets were just like, screw it, we'll just take him again anyways. And he worked out for them. He ended up with a 111 OPS plus and 200 at bat. So, And then he was out of the show. So uh, apparently the Braves signed Yoli Chassin earlier today. Uh, who is coming off of 2019 with an ERA over six and averaging 2.2 homers per nine. It's pretty good. Sounds good. Sound like they should start him opening day. <laughs> I think. I don't know, Mike Fultonavich just gave up three solo home runs in a row to the Marlins, so in the third He's inning. In so. Who knows what's going on with that rotation? That's the other funny thing is I, I feel like a lot of people have forgotten that Noah Syndergaard is out this year since he made the announcement for his uh, UCL surgery like after the shutdown. Because there's like a lot of articles that are still talking about how like the Mets are expected to have one of the best rotations in baseball. It's like, well, they were. 
when it Wait, was. You gonna, don't still consider Rick Porcello, there's, Michael. So, there's a huge difference. We say, all right. So here's our rotation. We have we only need we have five spots. We got six guys. We got Jacob Degrom, Noah Syndergaard, Marcus Stroman, Michael Walker, Rick Porcello, Stephen Matz. You know, oh, that's a great group. You know, great top three, great bottom three to try to pick from for your four or five stars. All right. Now, instead, we have Jacob DeGrom, Marcus Stroman, Rick Porcello, Michael Waka, Stephen Metz. <laughs> it suddenly doesn't sound as good. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Uh, speaking of rotations that could benefit from the shorter season, though, um, Atlanta with uh, Soroka and Max Freed. Um, you wouldn't think that they would have an innings limit at this point, uh, having 60 games that's and true. through the playoffs. Do you think they would be A-OK to go the entire time? Well, and that, that's going to be an interesting one. Is, yeah, on the one hand, they're not going to have an innings limit, but on the other hand, Atlanta, and there's a couple other teams like the Dodgers, it's going to be interesting how many teams like swap people in and out more. Because you think like Atlanta with their young pitchers, their plan in a regular in a real regular season would have been like, you know, we'll start with Fulte, Soroka, uh what's his name? The other one with an S uh last name. Shoot. I can't remember. I don't think it's shoot. <laughs> Max or something. Oh not with S. It's there's Mark Mike Soroka. Max Freed. Max Freed, thank you. Not with an S. It was with an M. <laughs> what I was thinking of. I'm looking at all these names. I'm like, none of these have an S. Yeah, no, uh, I knew it was somebody who had, had shared a letter of their name with Mike Soroka, and I just could not remember what it was. But it was Max Reed, you know. And some of the other guys in the minors that we haven't really seen much is, yeah, if they're doing well, they stay up. If they're doing poorly, we bring one of our other pitching prospects up instead. But when you're trying to consider like not exposing people to the virus, you know, making sure that you have as many people healthy and available as possible do you really want to be doing that much rotation of people going in and out? Or are you going to try to stick with people for longer, you know, because they are in, you know, they're with the club right now. So that's going to be that's- interesting to see. I don't think anybody has a good answer for that right now, especially because teams obviously don't want to tell each other what their plans are. So yeah. we'll just have to wait and see, but there are some teams that are kind of relying on depth, yeah, some of the team depth that would have been a strength in a regular season probably is not going to be as important this year. Uh, do we think this shortened season is going to have an impact on pitching next year? As far as how deep guys can go and getting them stretched out? I don't think so. I don't know if there's going to be that much of a difference. I think... Maybe the only thing we'd see, I don't know if it'd have an impact next year, but I do think this year, one of the things we're going to see is teams go even more into the extreme of getting to their bullpen early since they're not, they don't have to be worried too much about like burning out their relievers by using their good ones all the time. Um, yes, yeah, again, it's not quite playoff, so you can't go quite to the playoff level where you're going crazy with your relievers throwing extra innings or going with starters on short rests and stuff. But it's going to be the next step up from that is, you know, it, 
it's going to be even worse than the last couple of years. We've already been seeing most teams outside of like the Mets and the Nats and the Indians, you know, going to be you know, using their starting rotation infrequently and using their bullpen a lot more. I think we're going to see that be even more exaggerated this year. Um, that's what I was really like when I was trying to do my fantasy team. I was really trying to stick with, at least to start, my idea was to try to stick with Nats, Mets, Indians, kind of teams that could be expected to let their starters go longer in the draft. But yeah, I think it's going to be for the most. And kind of look for middle relievers who can pick up wins because they're going to come in in the fifth inning of a game and be the one who's in the lead in the fifth so they get become the pitcher of record and, and stuff like that. So um, I don't know if it'll have too much of an impact next year i it might be you know if they are able to have a real season next year it might be something where we see a slightly longer spring training or something like that you know pitchers having a little bit more time to stretch out but mm-hmm. um it, it's, we don't see too much of an issue with guys if they're like injured and out for the year when they come back yeah, you know, if they come back the next spring, they usually kind of go with the same schedule everybody else does. So, if they're feeling healthy, so I don't know if it'll have a huge, a huge difference unless you know teams get. Yeah, I think some of the things you could do this year in terms of shortening your starters further and having more relievers, you're not going to be able to do in a real season because you're just going to wear your relievers out. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> Let's see. Anything else I've missed uh, working through our baseball news here? Um, some of the teams are going to cardboard cutouts in their stadiums. So it's too bad for Mets fans that, you know, obviously want to win a World Series, but. It's funny that the Mets still price a lot of their charity things and stuff at $86 because they last won the World Series in 1986. And you're like, man, what if they had just won the Subway Series and there'd be so many things for free? (laughs) (laughs) So I I know the Mets are doing it. The Astros are doing it. Um, I think a couple other teams are, are going with the cardboard cutouts. And then the other thing is that apparently... MLB partnered with MLB the show to take to get the crowd noise samples that they had created for the show uh, to be able to let like one part of the stadium staff have like a mixer board and be able to kind of hit the sounds based on what's going on. Um, Which I have to say, it's not the most ideal situation, but I have done it watching the Premier League. Yeah. And it's not terrible. No, it's, I I like having, enough. for sure, I love having just the background kind of buzz noise at least, because it is so weird watching it when it's quiet. And it's been oh, like, yeah. so yeah, I've watched a little bit of the Premier League and I like that a lot more than, um, we also watched like the women's soccer with NWSL, I think, mm-hmm. tournament with the Spirit. And they... For I think early on they had it up higher, and I guess people complained or something. In the later games, they had it like barely audible, and it was so weird. Especially because the other problem with the NWSL is for some reason the announcers kept just ducking out completely and not saying anything. 
It's like you cannot do that when there's no other sound here. It is so I mean, weird. I almost felt like because uh, when I first the really the only time that I've seen it without sound was like the first game or two when the Bundesliga came back, mm-hmm. um, and that was super weird. And you're right; like they would stop talking for a minute, and it'd be like, "What? What? What are you doing?" Yeah, there's. Um, and the thought came to me, it's almost like you need the radio announcers who are used to just like talking the whole time. You need a radio announcer or a TV announcer like FP who can always be talking. True, true. That man has not met an object he can't talk to yet. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting. So I, I like that. My only issue from what I've seen so far with the MLB one is that the people hitting the buttons are slow. Because they don't want to look... I guess they don't want to look bad. I don't know. Or they're just kind of slow to react. But the issue is... Like, I saw one like a Dodgers highlight of a guy hitting a home run. And the dude didn't hit like the button to get the cheering to go up higher until it landed in the stands and the guy had already started rounding first base. And then suddenly yeah. he went, yeah! It's like, oh, no. No, no, no. Like He was trying... That he ball was... goes up in the air. You hit that cheer louder button. No, what he was doing was he was making a statement on LA crowds. No, and they're focused on other things. LA and, crowds, oh, wait, cheater. that went out. Nah, <laughs> LA crowds get up pretty fast. I pretty, like pretty much all crowds do. If you hit it, if you hit the ball well, you get a good crack and it goes up fast. Everybody's going to start. Like you have to, and maybe it's just it's a problem with the switch, the soundboard they have now, and hopefully it can get improved. That it's basically just like it might just be that it's either dull lull or insane cheering, and so he's like, "Oh, I can't hit insane cheering right off the bat. That's crazy. I gotta wait for it to actually be a home run." It's like, yeah, you need like dull lull to excited. Oh, wait, I'm paying attention right now because something cool might be happening. Come on, go out, go out, and then very excited cheer when it goes out. So. We'll see. That that's my only thing I don't like. But in general, I definitely need the sound because then it's easier to turn out tune out the announcers. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, uh, if you how are you excited for baseball to start back? And if so, how excited? Or is it just more like I'm gonna watch and then maybe while watching I'll get more excited? I mean, I think it's the latter. I I have found I mean I'm going to go back to watching the Premier League that I've been watching for the last month but like until they've uh, the games have meant something that oh they could get into the Champions League with this or oh they could go into a cup final for this game it is hard to have any of that momentum for a game and i think that mlb is going to have a real issue trying to get people excited for like yeah regular season baseball that you can't go to and you know some people don't like watching it on tv as it is so like i i think they're gonna i think they're gonna have some problems um yeah and it's gonna be interesting to see how they deal with them yeah i i feel like i was kind of the latter category but I, I, say, I don't know if it's just because i don't know if i want to be excited for it or you know want to be like why why is this happening it probably shouldn't be happening or is it more just 
that now for four months I've gotten used to doing other stuff and gotten a routine of doing other stuff. And now it's, it's coming back and it's kind of got to adjust again to bring sports back into the routine and, and watching that every night. So we'll see. I think once it starts, I'll probably be more excited for it. But right now it's just kind of hard to wrap your head around it happening at all. And it's hard to believe that it's happening in three days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. But uh, you're talking about watching on TV. The one thing I did like that the Nats are doing that a lot of other teams decided not to do is they are starting at, I think, 6.30, their games, um, like all of their home games, uh, rather than at 7 o'clock or, or later like they normally would if you had to be in the stadium, which I think is a great idea. I mean, they've also been starting these exhibitions at 6 o'clock. Um, but I think it's a great idea because, you know, I know I and I'm Probably they had a survey a couple of years ago. I know I responded to, and I think a lot of other people responded basically like, yeah, if I didn't have to be at the stadium, I would much prefer this game start at like six or six 30. So it ends earlier in the night. Um, Cause if I'm watching on TV, I can just put it on and I can go to, if I need to make dinner or if I need to do something else, I can go do that while it's still on, on the TV, you know, and I get home from work by, you know, five thirty, six o'clock. So I'll be there in time for the game to start. But if it's if I'm going to the stadium, I want it to be later because I want to be able to have the time to commute into DC, get to the stadium, get some food, then get to my seat and be ready, you know, to watch the game. So I prefer it seven. So I'm glad that since they don't have anybody going to the stadium right now, they kind of took that response. They're like, all right, you know, why why start so late? Let's start earlier in the day and you know get these games finished you know, earlier and make sure we can get more people watching on TV. Yeah. Actually, 6.05, they're doing it. Not even 6.30. Was it 6.05? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, could, I could not remember which one they hit if it was official, but yeah. I think that I think it's a great idea. My commute home right now is very short. It's just walking into the other room to the TV. So. Nice. It's about 25 feet. <laughs> <laughs> Mine as well. I was just saying, you know, in general, that... <laughs> If I was at work, then I'd still be commuting home at six and be ready to be ready to watch. So, yeah, it's good, good choice on their part. Yeah. All right, so I think you're about ready to wrap up. Um, you guys, you guys been doing anything stupid while you've been locked up? Besides, besides my fantasy baseball bo- uh, rotation. It's going to be amazing. It's the worst. Uh, Otherwise, no, I've done nothing stupid whatsoever. So uh, Lauren and I have gotten really into uh, Supermarket Sweep, watching these episodes from like 1991. So I feel bad. I was into Supermarket Sweep earlier when it was on Amazon Prime video. It is on Amazon Prime. And I was watching it Oh, you're watching on Prime video? Okay, good. Then... Yeah. I feel less of a Netflix like a couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. Like last week it went on to Netflix and now more people are yeah, watching it. And I'm like, bullshit, get out of here. <laughs> I was watching this when it was hard to find on Prime Video. <laughs> the, so, the sweet part though. You know, it's like the beginning part's like who cares about the games? Oh, I yeah, love the games. The end. Just because there's so many products I have never heard of <laughs> that these people seem to be like very aware of. And it's like so was that just really popular in the 90s and has disappeared? Is that just like some weird California-only thing? So they knew about do, it, but it's like very odd. So I do really enjoy, though, the the parts where they have to run and go grab something and bring it back. Mm-hmm. 
because it's either they know exactly what they're going for and they go and do it or they like sit there and look and like just get blinded by how much shit is there but then you have the people that are like have you never been in a grocery store before do you know where soap is yeah who are just like looking at the aisles but, like a deer in the headlights the people who know what it is and know where to find it and run there immediately and then stand there staring at it and can't like <laughs> find the label one and grab it and run back and it's yeah. just like oh my god and you see like a camera guy eventually like zooming in on it like it's right there so the one thing that's funny is watching supermarket sweep now on streaming services is you miss out on the great context that when it was first on the air, well, when it was on the air in the late nineties, it was on a channel called PAX, which was, uh, this like Protestant American TV channel that was like designed to entirely be like TV cable TV is ruining America with like the Simpsons and other things of ill, you know, South park and other things of ill repute. So, you know, we're going to be a, a, a TV channel you can watch with your family all the time, making great, you know, heartwarming family, Christian-y content. And it's like, how the heck did Supermarket Sweep become part of that? But it does make it's like, so once you know that, that like, it makes so much more sense why they're all wearing those insane sweaters. It's like, oh, yeah, that, yeah. that's the most wholesome clothing you can think of, a giant, colorful sweater. With a polo underneath. Exactly. Well, it's not even a polo. It's just a little dicky. Eh, true. Uh, I do really enjoy how the host, though, goes from like these legit early 90s sweaters mm-hmm. to in the early 2000s, he transforms to like the night manager of the grocery store. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert, we haven't gotten that far yet. <laughs> Oh my god, they made over a thousand episodes of Supermarket Sweep. Oh yeah, it was pretty uh-huh. easy to make. I think they did like four a day. And they'd basically they would So as we're watching these in order of how they are on the on Amazon, uh we see people that are in later or earlier episodes yep. in the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm pretty sure like that entire crowd eventually ends up playing that game. They just and they just rotate them in um for red it's basically like the first up to the first commercial break you know they they call people down and they they do that first game and then those people get the hell off the stage and then they call new people and they do their first commercial break then they leave and then you do up to four then once those four are done the original set comes in and they do the second up to the second commercial break and then they all rotate again and then once that's all done then they all get dressed in the sweeping clothes and they all do the sweep and then they leave after the sweep. They don't do like the, the final tally initially. I don't think, I think they like all do a sweep and then they come back and do the final ad break, you know, do the, the tally and, and the uh, running around and getting, trying to get the $5,000. So it's very interesting kind of Henry Ford style, <laughs> get as many episodes in as possible. Um, I gotta say, Leslie go Jones is apparently hosting. Uh, they're doing it this year on uh, ABC. I think. Yeah, yeah. Because ABC yeah. has decided their whole summer programming was just going to be reviving old game shows. With we have hosts. no new ideas. Yeah, so they, I know they have like Joel McHale is hosting Card Sharks, I think, and Alec Baldwin is the host of uh, what's it, Match Game. 
I think it's sounds right. game. It's why they have like all the celebrities, and then it's like a fill in the blank weird question, and then if you match with one of the celebrities, you get a point. So I believe it's match game. Um, I uh, I gotta say, if anyone listening can tell me, please reach out and let me know. If you know of any place that I can find shop to you drop, oh, I would like to know. That was great. That was like the power <laughs> hour. It was super yeah, it was. sweep and then shop till you drop. Yeah. My sister and I used to watch that after school. Mm-hmm. That's been a minute. Yeah, well that the one I really want wish was somewhere on streaming to watch was uh Junkyard Wars. Mm, that show okay. was absolutely nowhere, but it was so great. This is like this basically like if you had battle bots but made it cooler. <laughs> oh. All right. I think that is all that I have. What about you guys? I think that's it. All good? I think we're good. All right. Uh, I do not believe that we will be doing this weekly, but we will be back here probably, I would say, two weeks from now. Let's get a couple of a uh, couple of weeks of baseball under our belt, and let's see how this shit show goes. And all right, we'll come back to chat about it. We'll but come back to talk trash about our fantasy teams. Absolutely, mine is going to be garbage. <laughs> Until then, we are ghosts.